Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy New Year to you. I think this is the first live video we've done, Pad, I think, certainly um, certainly uh, this week um, as we talk to you. Uh, of course, with a new year comes a January transfer window and with a transfer window returns window watch. So uh, we're, we're back. We're going to have uh, a few shows for you through the January transfer window, expecting it to be dominated largely by one name, which we'll, uh, we'll come on to very shortly. But um, Pad, first and foremost, New Year. How, how did you find? Did you do anything fancy? I, I find non -year, New Year a bit of a non-event, to be honest. Um, what, what about you? Did you get up not, to much? Not really, mate. No, no. Tried to find content to fill the void from con, con, uh, games cancelled. I think is what it boiled down to. Uh, what with two going west, so uh, yeah, it just feels a bit of a. As we said before the press call this morning, it's been a long time. Feels a long time since Palace, really, and that wasn't a huge amount of distance before. But um, off the back of the Arsenal hammering and then the Palace hammering, it's just uh, felt like a grind, doesn't it? This festive period, and my mind goes back to Dean Smith pre, probably even pre West Ham game was called off, saying this clump of games, as it was, could really accelerate. You know Norwich's hopes to you know a get themselves back in touch and maybe maybe optimistically get their noses above the, the waterline in terms of the bottom three. But, uh, well, two call-offs and then two games hammered, didn't score a goal, conceded eight. It's been, uh, yeah, pretty horrendous, really. So, um, glad that we're looking forward to some football, albeit FA Cup, Charlton Sunday. But, uh, yeah, I think we have to reserve judgment on whether, whether the mood is going to lift considerably uh, before we get to West Ham next midweek. But, uh yeah, it's not not been a very pleasant festive period for anybody of a Norwich persuasion. I think it's safe to say. No, hopefully the rules in the new year have changed as opposed to what we saw in December. And teams in yellow and green are allowed to score a goal because we didn't see uh, we didn't see much of that in December. So fingers what, crossed. What happened? Uh, forgive me, I did have a, the last couple of days I've been off, but it, the 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 wags amongst us were pointing out Norwich's December goal of the month would be an interesting uh, shortlist. Well, I, I, haven't, I haven't actually seen the club push no. anything out which is probably wise i would imagine because i mean I, I guess they'd be down to probably training ground goals i'm not sure um but yeah as, uh, they've managed i think to just slip that under the radar amongst postponements and whatnot but anyway yeah. you people are not here to uh to listen to that you're here to uh speak about transfer news we'll probably preview the charting game a little bit towards the end of this as well we'll probably be with you for about half an hour 45 minutes or so obviously dependent on your questions and if you have any of those whether you're watching on facebook youtube or twitter uh, there should be a box somewhere down below to get them in and we'll try and get through as many as we can surrounding no city's transfer activity this month um four minutes in i suppose we we can only start really with with Todd Cantwell, Pad, because he's the player who is generating the most noise, the most speculation. Um, obviously, as we sit here, one o'clock on Friday afternoon, the latest reports are that Newcastle have made an inquiry, that they're very much interested in acquiring Todd Cantwell this month. Of course, they've already signed Kieran Trippier, being linked to Aaron Ramsey, a sea of, of other players as well with their, their new ownership. Um, so, First and foremost, before we get on to what Dean Smith said about it today, what do you make of that Newcastle interest around around Todd? There's also another unnamed Premier League club, as well as um, apparently, according to to the Athletics, David Ornstein, some interest from the Championship as well. So, um, I guess it probably goes back to does this does this seem like the right time for for Todd and Norwich to go their separate ways? Well, I put that point to Dean Smith, didn't I, earlier and. Um... You know, he wanted to bring it very much back down to what he can control, which is getting a, a very talented player right uh, and on the pitch and impacting games for him in a Norwich shirt. Um, 
and actually to the point that he said he hadn't spoken to him about the broader kind of his future and 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 is there a sense from his side as much as from Norwich's side that maybe the time is right you know as a young man who's all he's ever known is Norwich City really one or two loan postings obviously but fundamentally he's a Norfolk lad who's come through Norwich City's academy um and you look at the previous players who've moved on in recent times you know it reached a point where Jamal Lewis, James Madison, even further back, Ben Godfrey, um, a natural conclusion. And Stuart Webber has talked about that, actually. I remember him talking, going back to the Madison, that there comes a point when maybe uh, a player outgrows the club in terms of the various trajectories player and club are on. And it also makes sense from the financial point of view. Um, and there's a natural parting of the ways. I wouldn't describe this if it plays out as a natural parting of the ways because of all the you know, the backdrop to this, that, that there's a guy there who, for whatever reason, um, has not been getting a look in under two managers now this season. Um, and given Norwich's desperate quest for goals and creativity, it's hard to fathom how a player who had offered that in the Premier League two seasons ago, maybe not over the entirety of the season, but certainly showed he was good enough at this level to impact games uh, in a positive fashion at the top end of the pitch. And in a squad who have palpably not had enough of that this time around, for him not to get a look in immediately, you know, alarm bells are wrong and quite rightly as well. So is it the right time? Personally, yes. I think now if if the financials around the deal can be put together to the satisfaction of Norwich, they would uh, they would they would be willing to let Todd Cantwell go. That's very much the messaging from inside the club. Dean Smith clearly isn't going to come out publicly and project that it's time for Todd to go because ultimately, as we understand it, there isn't anything that re- represents a firm offer. Certainly nothing that would match maybe where Norwich's valuation is at the minute. And we have to stress we're less than a week into the window. There's still three weeks left. There's a lot of horse training to go on. Basically, all you have at this stage is parties, whether that's buying club, selling club, or the player and his representatives and his family, more or less putting their positions out there and seeing what's out there in terms of potential interest. We're a long, long way from Todd Cantwell departing from Norwich to join Newcastle, a Bournemouth, a West Brom or any other Premier League entity at this moment in time. A long way from that. But if you're asking me, do I expect Todd Cantwell to be here by the end of the window? If the cards fall as, as most of the parties involved want them to, then no, I don't see that. And um, and I think it, it probably has reached the point where, for, for various reasons... A part in other ways is probably in all interests, whether you're Todd Cantwell to get your career going again, if you're Norwich to hopefully bring in the level of finance they would need to actually go back into this window and do something. Because let's let's get it clear, Norwich cannot financially do anything this window, even to the point probably, and they do have one loan option available in terms of the overseas element, two Premier League loans, obviously Gilmore and, and Williams. That avenue is closed if those two remain here. But there is an overseas option they could still do. They won't even do that financially, not able to do that as it stands, unless and until they can generate some funds. And if Max Aarons is staying here and and, and the fact that Barley Mumba has been allowed to go out on loan to Peterborough, Dean Smith, when I asked him about Barley specifically this morning, in his answer more or less said, well, we've got Sam Byron, we've got Max now. His, his opportunities to the first team in the next six months are blocked. So by definition, you expect Max Aarons to remain here. So if Max isn't going to be the one they sell, you look around that squad and really I think Todd Cantwell is probably the only saleable asset 
who might be able to command the sort of finance they require uh, to be able to do something themselves. And so as a result, we're in a holding pattern and um, and we might be in it for a little while longer. But I think, suffice to say, there is a willingness from Norwich's part that if a deal can be put together to their satisfaction, then Todd has a decision to make. And without speaking for Todd Campbell or his representatives, I think it's safe to say that, you know, probably the time has come for him to move on and get his career going elsewhere. I would concur. Um, what I love about the answer is you've answered two questions that we've had um, within it, which is good. So, so Liam asked, uh, do, you, do you see Norwich making a signing without selling Todd or Max? And the answer to that is no. Uh, and Alex said, uh, good day, Jen. Straight in with Campwell. If we do sell him, would this to be, be to bring someone in? And uh, the answer to that would be yes, partly. So um, if we kind of look at uh, and speak about what we know at the moment, it's what you said there, that Norwich would be willing to do a deal around Todd Campwell if the money was right. Uh, and I would suggest that some of the figures being mentioned uh, amongst outlets that you're probably reading and seeing are probably correct um of course you have to take into account the fact that deals can be done with various add-ons and stuff that inflate them a little bit more so um worth taking that into account todd's contractual situation as well um officially only has what till the summer left on his deal so about six months left on his contract although uh, as we all know by now norwich have a club option on that that they would activate if he was still here beyond that window so they wouldn't lose him for free in the summer um but no talks have taken place or are scheduled to take place around um him signing a new deal and that was an interesting element to the telegraph's report on when would it have been yesterday maybe thursday uh, i lose track at the moment where they said that top Campbell had indicated to Norwich city and again we must stress these are only reports um that he would not be willing to sign a new contract at the club so that may well hasten um, his departure from a Norwich City perspective. And I suppose, I mean, you talk about the deal, only uh, the window, sorry, only being seven days in. Um, is there an element from Norwich City's perspective to try and do what they did with the Emi Buendia deal in the summer, which is to try and get it done early so then they have a significant amount of time to, if not source a replacement, to bring in the players that they wish to bring in in the positions that they want to strengthen this month? Very much so, very much so. But a lot easier uh, to do that scenario in a in a summer which window by definition is three times I think the length I think it's three or four three months isn't it um than essentially a one month mad scramble and of course you know this isn't Norwich in isolation there are clubs around them in the Premier League notably Newcastle who are you know disturbing the waters shall we say uh financially uh to a far greater level than Norwich could ever dream of getting to I mean before we've just gone online here and I know that they're not directly with them in, in that area of the table, but Villa announcing that pretty much an agreement in place to bring Philip Coutinho from Barcelona on a, on a, on a loan, I believe, uh, certainly for the next six months. You know, there's a player, what did he leave Liverpool for? Thick end of 100 million and, and Aston Villa, yes, an aspirational club. We know all about the, obviously, the change of manager, which indirectly brings Dean Smith to Norwich, but by no manner of means are they... Uh, you know, an established European contender, and yet they're able to put that type of deal together already. Um, and we don't need to spend the next 40 odd minutes discussing Norwich's ownership model and the limitations of that because we feel like we do that to death quite routinely. But fundamentally, to reiterate what I said in my first point, that the money as it stands, with no outs, certainly no headline outs in terms of re revenue generation, then Norwich have no room for manoeuvre whatsoever. So, um, if that is the case, and we understand that is the case, then yes, it is pretty imperative that if they want to do anything in this particular window, irrespective, you know, the summer window, 
depending on what leagues they're going to be in, of course, that'll, that'll impact that. But if they want to do anything in here and now to aid the remainder of what, what looks like a full-on Premier League relegation fight, we have to be honest, but they need to sell and they need to sell quickly because, you know, that will only allow them to then bring players in. But the reality is then you're Dean Smith, you're Stuart Webber, you go to AN other with a view to trying to get them to join Norwich, then how the hell do they convince them unless they throw some serious dough at them? How do they convince people that in six months' time they're not joining a club who are back in the championship? So there's a it's not simply a case of we sell Todd Campbell hypothetically, we bring in let's say 10 to 15 million, uh, allowing them to do something that then, you know, options open up to them to bring players in. It'll be obviously a lot easier if they have the finance to go and do that. But then you almost encounter a whole different series of issues around where are Norwich going to be beyond May? Um, because at the minute, it looks nailed on. They're back in the championship. So, you know, that, I guess, is issues to deal with if they can, in the first process, do the business they need to generate the funds they need. But... I don't know. It's a difficult window, notoriously January. It's certainly an, an incredibly difficult window if there's also a time imperative to this and you need to try and do this business ASAP, essentially. I mean, Newcastle have managed to get Trippier in, I believe, haven't they? So, you know, things are starting to move. Whether the, the increased urgency injected by Newcastle into the to the market facilitates more business than we would normally expect right at this stage of January. Time will tell, but um, but if Newcastle are looking to firm up any initial talks they've had either with Todd and his representatives or, or with Stuart, then you know that can only be good news for Norwich. I mean, I've seen this point, and it was put to Dean Smith today about well, why would you sell to a relegation rival? I don't think Norwich can be too choosy in that regard. I think ultimately, if Newcastle are the only serious players in the in the market when it comes to Todd Campbell and are willing to back up any interest with a firm offer that meets Norwich's valuation and get the deal done quickly, you snap their hand off, don't you, ultimately? Well, that was that was going to be one of the threads that I was going to unpick. And, and it's a question that Jeremy Harrison on Facebook has, uh, has put to us. Um, uh, and he said, surely doesn't make sense to sell Todd Campbell to a relegation rival. But you're right, aren't you, in terms of ultimately Norwich probably needs to look at the bigger picture here in terms of what he would allow them to do from an incoming perspective. And uh, from what we gather, that they, they would like to strengthen their attacking options. I don't think you need to be any kind of genius to work that out looking at the uh, looking at the goals for column. Um, and it, again, it's interesting. Uh, and I, I don't want to talk about too much about what they do from an incoming perspective, because I think we'll come back to that in a second. But um, it would be interesting, as you, as you say there, to know or, or, or for Stuart Webber and, and how he would attract those players. Obviously, they've got a foreign loan spot to play with, which may well end up be the one that's activated, providing they uh, they, they did get a sell with um, with Todd. But just to, to go back to Newcastle in particular, I mean, is, is there an element that actually, at the minute, there's no one better that you can sell to? Because it's a club with a lot of money. Everyone knows they have a lot of money. And so with that probably comes the opportunity to maybe squeeze a bit more money out of them than you probably would with any other Premier League club at the moment. Well, certainly that, I mean, you know, you, you, you could argue Norwich's desperation is on, the, is on a par if you look at the state of, you know, both clubs' points, Sally. Um, but certainly for Newcastle, we're, with the what we believe to be vast, vast wealth that's gone in there in terms of the ownership recently, um, um, we, we, you can be 100% sure that being in the championship is not part of their project, uh, to use that term that seems very modern day, but they will need, by hook or by crook, to stay stay up this season under Eddie Howe and then, if they do, 
watch them go again in the summer because then with their Premier League status secured, I think they will really be able to, uh, you know, go big as it were in the in the transfer window. But because they are in a parlous situation in terms of you know that for me for me that Leeds win over over Burnley the other day uh, with Norwich kicking their heels and and then you see now there's almost a Norwich Newcastle a couple of other clubs and then there's a there's a gap there now they're they're getting detached and if you're Newcastle and Newcastle's hierarchy and Eddie Howe looking at that they need to they need to do something in this window and and if they have to pay over the odds then. Well, we know they can if if reports are correct and and the depth of their their wealth from their ownership model. So, yeah, I think it's going to disturb the market in a, in a big way, and that might ne- necessarily be a good thing for Norwich, really, because if if hypothetically Campbell departs and it's to Newcastle and Norwich bring funds in, it might just distort what other teams are trying to do and, and what other clubs uh, are going to ask because they will look at the the figures that Newcastle are having to go to to bring players in. Um, and maybe, as always, January. January is is a seller's market. It's not a buyer's market because there's a premium on the players available and there's also a premium on the time to get the deals done. So, you know, for me, Cantwell goes. I think it's more about getting a player out of the club who isn't really going to be part of the, the next stage of the journey and hopefully for a figure which is in some way representative of what his potential is. Sadly, you know, we saw it last summer, maybe even the, the window before, these sort of 30, 40 million pound valuations, which you saw bandied about routinely with his name. That's gone. That's gone. That's not going to happen now contractually and, and the fact that he hasn't really kicked a ball. Um, so it's almost trying to make the best of what they can at this stage um, with a view maybe to what they could then go and do in the summer. Because let's be honest, if you get 10 or 15 in for Todd Cantwell, does that allow you the the ability to go and improve this squad to the level they need to, to, to stay up for me, it doesn't. So uh, ultimately I think what this could be about more than, more than staying up this season is, is just refreshing and, and both for the player, he moves on and, and then for the club to have the funds to, to maybe go again in the summer allied to obviously any other business that inevitably will happen if the club go down, because we all know Max Aaron's very unlikely. He would still be here. There'll be one or two others will move on and it just maybe starts that process of uh, turning turning the circle in terms of what they could do in the summer window I, I just you know I think it's I think it's naive to assume that selling Todd Campbell for 10 or 15 million is going to be the difference between Norwich staying up and Norwich going down I just I just think there's a bigger there's far bigger issues that to do with this squad and we've seen them you know we've seen them and, and we all know the mitigation and Dean Smith again was quite keen to point out you know the if they got the 10 players back, uh, seven or eight of those who would be more or less starters every week who have been unavailable through injury or illness, that's almost like a very good window for Norwich, to, to paraphrase what Dean Smith said earlier today. I'm not sure Norwich fans would, would probably agree with that, but you can kind of see where he's going, that maybe this window is about getting the the key players. And we've seen pictures today following on from what Dean Smith said. Mia Rashica back training for the first time with, with that squad today. It's about getting the likes of him, Norman, Grant Hanley, maybe even uh, back in the fold, Timu Puki, obviously, Max himself. Um, and then, you know, keeping them fit because, you know, I, I certainly don't think that the route to Premier League survival is coming from the transfer window, not in January. 
No, and and even if they did bring in let's let's say a couple of attackers, I don't think that will happen. But it, it, let's say let's say they did bring in two, and both of those contributed five goals each in the second half of the season. That, that's not going to be enough to to keep Norwich City up um, as things stand either. So yeah, it's very difficult. And I mean, we, we mentioned kind of relegation rivals. I mean, people will look at the three point gap quite correctly to Watford, but actually beyond that, it's a nine point gap to Leeds. The the gap ahead of Watford is is beginning to become quite concerning and uh, Burnley obviously have a couple of games in hand Watford themselves have a game in hand um, if any of those teams in the bottom four put a little bit of a run together then uh, they, uh, the bottom three who's left could find themselves um, really cut adrift so like you say Norwich maybe not necessarily in a position to uh, to, to choose uh, and, and be choosy about who they sell to at the moment. Um, another strand before we get on to probably Campwell's perspective of things which I think is probably the final one um, is the one that is being raised here by, by Stu on YouTube which is there's been a lot of criticism around the club's recruitment in the summer. They, they spent, uh, as Stuart would have said, they were the 11th highest spenders in Europe. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll use that line and the return hasn't been great. And uh, you're, you're right, Dean Smith did say about the, the, the 10 players returning. I think some people would argue that actually those 10 players have uh, have been heavily involved in a side that have only got 10 points after 19 games and would say, well, that's probably not a, a particularly good representation of where they are. Although, uh, as we've said before, there was a, a five-game period under Dean Smith where they did look vastly improved. So that comes back to the question put, put um, to us by Stu in terms of trusting the club to invest any money from any potential Campwell deal correctly. Is that a valid point to make, given the evidence of, of Stuart Webber and his team's Premier League recruitment in the last what, one and a half seasons or so? Well, that, that, is the, that is the key point to this debate for me. It's their Premier League recruitment, and that spans, obviously, the past summer and then two summers ago. And, of course, two summers ago, we know financially, we keep talking about the finances, but financially they didn't really have a huge amount. I think from the, my memory, I think the accounts that year showed they literally went and spent six million on the Amadou's and Roberts and Ralph Farman type loans. Palpably nowhere near good enough. And they acknowledged that. But you could almost mitigate that they didn't really have the finances. You couldn't put that, you know, uh, defence at their door for the past summer. They for Norwich, relative, you know, obviously it's all everything is relative to Norwich, but if you want to spread 50 to 70 million, you we, we've seen that sort of range to 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 Overall, what Norwich did, obviously minus the Emi Buendia club record fee that they got in. So they have spent money for Norwich in the Premier League, money they've never spent before. So that comes with an expectation that if you're a Norwich fan, you, you deserve to expect better than 10 points minus 34 goal difference. Can't hit uh, a barn door with a whatever. Uh, can't keep goals out of the other end. Um, all of that is incrementally increased the fact and particularly since Daniel left because obviously Daniel quite rightly was taking a lot of flack for he's not getting the most out of this group of players um but now you remove him and Dean Smith had that initial bounce the last four or five games particularly you know it, it swings back round for me to the players and and within that the recruitment and you know Stuart Webber the only real touch point we've had with him about recruitment was pre-Leeds. I asked him directly, you know, that even then the questions were being asked about Sargent and Zollis um, and more broadly, maybe the rest of the recruitment. And he said it was too early. He said those were valid questions. Well, if they were valid questions pre-Leeds, what they haven't done subsequently, uh, yes, they should be getting uh, criticised at this stage. Now, obviously, you know, we still have 
19 league games or so left. So definitive judgments. I think we'll probably have to wait until the summer, but it doesn't look good. The trends don't look good. There's too many parallels with two seasons ago um, uh, that they fundamentally haven't improved the squad that came out of the championship on both occasions to the degree they needed to be. Not just the quality, but the athleticism, the power, uh, the the you know, the physical ability, you know, you've seen, you know, you what and, and for me, a lot of the focus on the physicality is across midfield areas, which is, of course, a, a key area in any game of football at Premier League level. You know, Palace, players like Kuyate roaming around, you know, and, and you've got Billy Gilmore and Lise Malou and uh, Kenny McLean bouncing off those type of players. And Arsenal, they have um, uh, Xhaka and Partey. Yeah, no, real physical irrespective of the quality element to those players, but they just have that physical power, that athleticism, which for me, whenever I watch Norwich in the Premier League, both this season and, and two seasons ago, singularly lack, and particularly across midfield areas. So again, you know, is the recruitment right? Not just in terms of raising the quality threshold, but also that physicality as well. Um, so are people right to question the recruitment? Absolutely. Will Stuart Webber and his team... Expect those questions absolutely, um, but for me, let you know, it doesn't look like it's going to uh, change dramatically over the remaining 19 games based on the first 19 games. But I think we can only definitively say that well, that's another another Premier League season where the recruitment was palpably not good enough. And for me, I look at it now, and you and and Webb has almost acknowledged it that the deals that have got put together for the sergeants and the Zolases particularly. I think we've ticked too far towards the potential and and they they were not players ready and able to go in and improve a Premier League squad. They may well turn out to be those type of players, but it might be seasons in the future. And and it's almost, for me, in, in many facets, that the recruitment is maybe going to be, look pretty pretty good when they get, when, if they end up back in the Championship, because I think those players in the Championship will probably look decent players and capable of better than the Championship. But they were re- re- were recruiting for a, a Norwich in a Premier League, and on that measure, as I say, with the caveat that we're only halfway through this season. But on that measure, the recruitment's been nowhere near good enough, and they are right if you're a Norwich fan to question that recruitment because we've been we were here before two seasons ago, and whereas there was mitigation in terms of the lack of finance available to them then, that wasn't the case in the summer. And Stuart Webber acknowledged that, didn't he? He said there'll be no comebacks. This time around, on we didn't spend money, we didn't have enough money to go into the market. So he framed it in those terms. So he's right to be judged in those terms, I think. Yes, absolutely. Um, just finally on Todd, then, but uh, well, finally in terms of us talking about it, and then we'll take some some more questions. Please, can, um, can we stop talking about Todd Cantwell? <laughs> there's a there's a final element, which is we we've spoke about selling club, potential buying club. We haven't really spoken about him as a, a player and how he will view it. Obviously, if we if we if we line up kind of the reports that are coming out at the moment, again a week into the window, Newcastle United seem to be at the, at the front of that queue. Whether that's the case in reality or not, who knows? But certainly in terms of the way we're talking about it, it's speculation. There's uh, an as yet unnamed Premier League club as well who are taking an interest, um, and also this report from from David Ornstein, which suggests that there's some some potential Championship clubs who would be looking to uh, loan with an obligation to buy upon promotion. Um, if you're Todd Campwell, Newcastle, uh, again, we don't know who the unnamed club is, so we don't know if, if they're more attractive or less attractive than Newcastle at this moment in time. But we can only judge, obviously, what's out there at the moment. Newcastle would, would be the most attractive option, wouldn't it? I don't see how a, a return to the Championship 
it is particularly beneficial for him at this stage of his uh, of his career. No, I mean, on face value, if, if that scenario came to pass, that, that's a sideways move. And there's no guarantees that you swap Norwich for, hypothetically, a Bournemouth and um, and things look any better this time next year. Because if it was a Bournemouth, I, I don't see with the scale of club that they are. Yes, they, they had gave it a good go and Eddie Howe, but it was always a case for me of when rather than if they would drop again. And, and I think that would be the case again. So that isn't the type of move to a club... Uh, that would afford him really the opportunity or the platform to to move his career on to the next level. You know, I look, again, I keep referring to him, but James Madison chose Leicester and maybe people were at that point thinking, well, okay, the whole sort of winning the Premier League title kind of thing rose, raised sorry, the profile of their club considerably, but it was still a club who traditionally were not fighting out at the sort of the European part of the Premier League table. But that proved to be an inspired move because, you know, the, the things that have gone on at that club, you know, we're talking just in the past segment about recruitment. They, Leicester have done some unbelievable recruitment, window after window. And, and that club is now a serial contender for European places, won the FA Cup, obviously. Um, so basically James Madison leaving Norwich for Leicester is a leg up. And, and I think Newcastle, not certainly in terms of you look at the Premier League table at the minute, you wouldn't say that was anything other than, a, you know, jumping out of one life, lifeboat into another. But uh, certainly with the potential they have to transform the fortunes of that squad uh, and that football club uh, with all that latent potential they've got in terms of the fan base up there, that would, for me, potentially be a, an opportunity for him to go and move his career on again. And uh, I think. You know, we can't speak for Todd or, or his family or his representatives, but, you know, you, you observe from the outside looking in and, you know, really, has he kicked his career on from two seasons ago? Yes, I know he had a a fairly leading role for, for the majority of the, the last title win. Him and Emmy had a nice thing going, didn't they, behind Timu? But, you know, I don't think Todd Cantwell has really dramatically improved as a player or improved his standing in the game as a player since two seasons ago. And... You're right, at his age now, he isn't a 17, 18, 19-year-old lad who's just starting out. Um, he needs now to be really accelerating if he wants to fulfil the potential that he clearly does have. But to do that, I think that's going to be away from Norwich. And and really, for me, it's only a case of, if it's not this window, it'll be the summer. So, um, yeah, I, I think for all parties, he needs to move on now, I think. Yes, I'll just close it by saying that it's a real sadness, I think, more than anything. that A local lad, the narrative was was there, um, such high hopes for, for him after what he did in the Premier League two years ago. If it was to end like this, I think most people would be asking themselves, what if? What if he could perform? What if he did find that level? Where would Norwich City be, let alone where would Todd Campbell be? So, um, yeah, it's uh, it would be a real shame to see it end on, on such terms this month, particularly given Dean Smith, uh, again, at his press conference this morning, described his frustration at, at some of his performance and he said that was shared by the player himself. So um, that's a shame. Of course, uh, any updates on Todd Campbell, you'll be able to find them pinkham.com um, as ever. We've got a, a few more questions and comments. Um, we're going to speak a little bit more about Barley Mumba and take some of your questions. Um, I just thought we'd take this one away from transfers. 
um, from Will, which is, um, do we have a date for Norman's return? As it's uh, it's all been quite vague so far. And I think we've, we've seen that from Dean Smith since he's arrived. He's been quite vague around certain fitness inju- issues and injury issues. And um, I guess it's quite difficult in, in the world that we live in now where there's uh, kind of testing every day and your squad can change from one moment to the next. But um, the clip of him uh, running on, on social media, on Instagram earlier this week, very positive. Dean Smith's comments this morning, very positive um, as, as an early um, sort of estimate. It, it, it all looks relatively encouraging for hopefully a swifter than planned or swifter than, than maybe feared return to the pitch. Yeah, and the biggest takeaway from, well, two actually from what Dean Smith said today was that he doesn't have a return date. And of course, he'll be being guided by the sports science and the medical teams who are working with Norman at this stage of his rehab. So the head coach doesn't have a date for when he can return, like we've seen with Rashita today, to, to first-team training, um, full first-team training. So, uh, and the, But the other thing, the more positive thing, was that he's now pain-free, that, that this torn ligament in his pelvis that was really having to manage. And, you know, when he went away with one of one of the international breaks with, with Norway, he was talking to the point where, you know, you couldn't sleep properly. He was in too much pain even sleeping whenever he turned over. So if he's pain-free now, that's that's a huge bonus. Uh but in terms of time scale, I mean, the initial sort of feeling was the worst case scenario would be 12, 12 weeks after 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 his operation, which was just before Christmas. That would push you into sort of February ter- terms, really, mid-Feb. But let's take it as a positive that if he's doing a little bit of running, he's pain-free, um, that, you know, we're one week into January, that by the end of this month, we see him back because there's no doubt um, talking about what we talked about, about a transfer windows but b also that physicality and that athleticism he he clearly has that in abundance and did offer that and that drive and that energy um from norwich's midfield it's been sorely lacking since so the sooner he's back and in that norwich midfield there's no doubt norwich will look a better team for it so uh yeah fingers crossed but no actual official date as to when we might see him back Yes, absolutely. And just to uh, follow up from this question from Philip, he's asked, what's the situation with Norman at the end of the season? Can Norwich uh, buy him if they go down? And would he want to stay um, at the moment? That is uh, an option to buy. But uh, essentially, think of it like if they stay up, it it becomes an obligation, essentially. Um, He won't be a Norwich player if they're in the Championship next season. They simply won't have the the financial power to do that. I've seen a few comments as well. I can't find it at the moment about... um, potential loan recalls obviously uh, that that's been the major movement in the first week of the January transfer window from a Norwich perspective we've seen Tyrese Amatoyi leave to Carlisle Bali Mumba head to Peterborough on loan which we'll get into in just a moment and Tom Dixon Peters head to Gilliam on loan as well Archie Mayer recalled we're expecting a, a couple of others on the fringes to either have loans looked at or be sent out on loan so uh, that's that's one to keep an eye out of um, in, in the next uh, couple of weeks but um uh, yeah, in terms of those who are already out on loan, potentially coming back, and I suppose we're really talking about two players, aren't we? Jordan Hugill and Onel Hernandez. Uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case this month, does it? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously West Brom have gone and brought in the, the boy DK, haven't they? Daryl DK, is it, from, from the MLS? So that's a clear signal. They don't see, and you know, you look at his goals to games ratio in that first part of the season. He, he's, he's clearly not, you know, turned out to be the player they hoped they were going to be adding to their expected championship promotion push. So if 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 there isn't going to be any game time for him there, then then yes, inevitably he would come back. Um and it's interesting then how Dean Smith sees it. Does he see him as somebody who I don't know, 
could could bolster, could offer a different dimension. I don't know in terms of his attacking output. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, what I could see happening there is maybe he comes back, and as we get towards the end of this window, he's out again because. You know, ultimately, a decision was made from Norwich's point of view, obviously in conjunction with the player, I'm sure made it clear that he wanted to go and play regularly, that he really wasn't going to be part of it this season. So I know the management management has changed and Daniel's gone and Dean Smith's come in and he might have his own thoughts, but uh, it's very hard to see that Jordan Hugo comes back and then is almost reintegrated into Norwich's Premier League plans. And I'd probably say the same for Arnell as well. You know, by all accounts, Dean Smith, see something in Poyata, he's quite keen to work with him further. Um, you've got Jolis there, of course, as well, and one or two other options. Johnny Rowe now comes into the mix, you know, a young man who was uh, doing very, very good things at development level to the point that he's now essentially crossed over. He's now in the first team set up. He made his Premier League debut against Crystal Palace. Wouldn't be at all surprised to see him get some game time at the Valley on Sunday as well. Um, and if that's the case, then again, Onel Hernandez feels like... Um, going back to, to a previous kind of cycle. So um, if they were to combat those two, you mentioned, Connor, no, I don't see him playing any part for Norwich in the Premier League moving forward. There we go. Uh, one man who has gone out on loan, but will play a part for Norwich City in, in the future, or at least it's hoped that way. Barley Mumba has joined Peterborough United on, on loan. That was probably the, the highest profile of, of the loans that have been confirmed in the last seven days. Um on paper, looks like a very good opportunity for him, doesn't it? As you mentioned, Max Aaron's, I think, more likely to, to leave in the summer. I don't think that that's a, a realistic proposition that he leaves Norwich City um, by the end of the month, unless, of course, someone bids a, an insane amount, um, which I simply don't see happening, given the, the current footballing world and uh, obviously the, the fee that signing Max Aaron's would, would command. I don't see that. Um, so this, uh, an opportunity to get championship football, you know, if, if you put a different hat on, you would potentially suggest it's an opportunity for him six months before he maybe needed to do it again. Um, that that will be a consideration, I'm sure, given the way Norwich City plan for, for each scenario. So um, it, this looks like a good move, doesn't it? A, a club who are in amongst it in the Championship, hoping to, to stay there under Darren Ferguson. Um, I think there's plenty to like from, from Barley Mumba's perspective about this loan move. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And, and as I say, I mean, we can, we can you know, shine a light on on the negative elements about the recruitment and, and that's part of the strategy but but in this area you know it makes perfect sense because inevitably the way things are playing out it will be back in the championship in a, a very short period of time and if you've got a, a very talented young player there who's had a good five or six months of championship exposure proper you know week in week out the the incessant sort of three game cycle uh, grind then that has to be a good thing that has to kick him on because the glimpses we've seen, he clearly has the raw material. Um, what he doesn't have is sustained game time. And I'd draw a parallel with what's happening on the other side of Norwich's defence in, in Sam McCallum, who unfortunately injuries have interrupted his progress at QPR this season. But last season, played a lot of games for, for Cov at a championship level and had plenty of suitors in the summer in terms of championship loan clubs, which tells you how well he did in the championship. And, you know, there's a left-sided option, a young left-sided option, uh, and now you've got Barley Mumba, young right-sided option. If I think it's safe to assume Max moved on, I could see Demi Yanoulis moving on if they're out of the Premier League in the summer. So there's two. You need two new players to come Brandon in. Williams going back, of course, as well. Uh, exactly, yeah. So and so, really, it'd be those two and Sam Byram, and that's that's the starting point. Uh, if th- those players moved on, as you would expect, so I think it's an excellent move for Barley. Dean Smith, yep, yeah, when put to him, said. As I said earlier, 
with Max and Sam now fit and available, he's not going to get those first team opportunities here. But they think a lot of him. And I thought it was also interesting that they don't really, with a young player, want to stunt his development. It was a phrase along those lines, which essentially, as I then followed up, is kind of where it feels we are with Adam Eder, doesn't it? And um, and he said, yeah, that's a very, very difficult balancing act now because, and he referenced a player he had at Villa, Keenan Davis, who I think I saw him linked with yeah. Forrest. I don't know if he's, he's gone, gone there. Forrest, yeah. yeah, who, who highly talented, young attacking option, but couldn't quite force his way into Villa's first team. Well, for him, read Adam Eder, you know, um, but the situation Norwich are in, and we're talking about Hugo, obviously, they just simply don't have the numbers to probably in the top end of the squad to allow them to get Adam Eder out on loan in a similar fashion to Barley Mumba. But there's no doubt separating out what Norwich's needs are, that guy needs playing to be playing regular football at, at decent level. And, um, you know, it's a real, real conundrum because we've, we've all seen as he's come through the age ranges and... Um, and it's obviously pertinent that we're we're about to you know go off to the third round of the FA Cup and look what he did at Preston was it two three years ago now burst onto the scene with a hat trick there as a teenager and we thought here we go and and his career a bit like with Todd Cantwell simply hasn't moved on to the level we all felt it would do so really really tricky one it's and it's good then with Barley that they've managed to be in a position that they can go and get in football and that should benefit the lad but it'll also benefit Norwich hopefully in the summer if they're planning for a championship season. Yes, indeed. Uh, thank you very much for, for all your comments and questions. Um, we're going to take this one from Neil, which will be the last one before we, we wrap up, because we, we, we want to keep these a, a little bit um, condensed. Um, Neil Luther has said, and there's been lots of comments a, a, along this theme, which is why I'm picking out this one. Uh, he said, uh, to progress this club, uh, Norwich need investment. I'm amazed there are no interested parties in a debt-free Premier League team. And I've noticed that uh, one of your tweets from the press conference this morning, Pad, has gained a little bit of traction and, and probably generated a little bit of angst among some people, uh, not, not necessarily you or, or your opinions uh, on this occasion, more, more uh, one of Dean Smith's quotes around the fact that Norwich at this stage uh, were just looking at the market, which is how he how he summed it up. Uh, do, do, you, do you understand supporters' frustrations at the moment? Because they're bottom of the Premier League, they've only scored eight goals and the noises coming out of the, the football club aren't necessarily that it's going to be a window full of in, investment. I mean, we've just spoken about for 43 minutes essentially about the financial limitations that they find themselves in and and how difficult it is for them as a self-funded football club to to operate um in, in the way that they do but do you take neil's point do you take some of the points that people are, are feeling in terms of the frustration that norwich at this moment in time simply don't look like a competitive premier league outfit or at least one capable of uh, of staying in the premier league and a lot of people feel that noise is coming out of the club also aren't of uh, a club that feel that they should be here or, or are willing to do everything to, to stay here, if that makes sense. Well, certainly on the, what Dean Smith has said today, I mean, that ultimately is a reflection of where the whole of this debate has, has started from, that Norwich need to sell to ge to generate any incoming business. Um, financially, that's where they are. So basically, Dean Smith, uh, to say we're, we're only watching, well, that's kind of stating the obvious. But they, they won't, they're only watching because they don't have any of the funds to, to go and do anything more than uh, keep an eye on what's going on at the minute. Um, so I, 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 on that point, that for me is is pretty much the state of play as it is. And, and as the head coach, of course, if, you, if you've got Dean Smith in a quiet moment, would you like to improve the squad, if the financial element wasn't there in the background, the, the limitations of the financial element, of course, I'm sure he would, because he's a football man, as he said today, talking about Charlton, he wants to win football games. And 
his his opportunities or his chances of doing that are greatly enhanced if they can raise the quality in this current squad at both ends of the pitch and he, and in the middle. So really, from front to back, um, this squad isn't 19 games in anywhere near good enough, injury or illness aside. So I, I wouldn't necessarily be looking to, to make too much of what Dean Smith has said. That's, that's a, sim- a simple stating of the state of play. Now, the broader point about uh, Neil's question... Um, that it comes back around to the ownership and the, the, the lack of finance vis-a-vis pretty much every other club in the Premier League to go and do anything. Um, unfortunately, that comes with the territory. When, when when you're a club doing so poorly on the pitch, as Norwich have been this season, following on from what they didn't do two seasons ago after a very bright start, um, Norwich fans inevitably are going to get frustrated and angry and, and almost, why, why are we bothering? Because we know how this script ends every time they get in the Premier League under this current model, um, it ends, well, you know, as some have, have said, you know, they feel like their club is a laughingstock and, and, and has basically been poked fun at on a weekly basis. No football fan wants to be associated with a club that are deemed or seen as a in the wider footballing firmament as, as a laughingstock. Why would you? So, you know, completely understand why there's that frustrating feeling almost of drift and, and a sense that, it's only going to change if the ownership changes, and with that, a massive influx of, of revenue, and and that and that the self-sustainable model um, is replaced by probably the model that most other clubs uh, are dealing with. I thought it was interesting the the the, the podcast that Mariella Nisataki, who's, who's City's head of emerging talent, you know, a key recruitment aide in Stuart Weber's setup, was was basically saying it isn't a lack of ambition; it's essentially a club trying to do something different to maybe every other club, certainly at Premier League level. Uh, and with that, it's faith in young players. But with faith in young players comes massive inconsistencies. You've seen that with Sargent, with Zollis, in terms of their performance, in terms of how they can influence games at this, the highest level in this country. Um, so you either accept that model isn't going to ever work in the Premier League and then you look to, to change it, or you accept the limitations of that model and we're going to be here again. But... What I would say, and we touched on it at length, you know, it comes maybe down to less the model and more the recruitment. And and Norwich have spent fifty to seventy million spread in the summer, and at this stage haven't really improved that squad. And and you could argue the squad is inferior to the squad that they had last season in the championship. So it isn't that they've sat on their hands and they haven't spent money. It's they have they spent the money as wisely as or as astutely or as creatively as we like to hear. They they use that phrase a lot that they could have done and 19 games in no is the answer. So when that isn't the case and you look at a league table that tells you they're so far adrift, they're so lacking in goals that they've now got an inability to keep them out of the other end. Then all those questions about the ownership, the lack of finance relative to the rest of the Premier League, we're going to hear that louder and louder and louder between now and the end of the season. And and we've already, we've already on, on the recruitment aspect, we're now seeing that more and more since Daniel left, since the Dean Smith bounce has, has hit the buffers in a big way, a lot of the focus now, I sense, is on what they didn't do in the summer window. And and with that, Stuart Webber is getting far more criticism for me, it looks like, across social media than he ever has done since he came to the club. And that's only going to intensify. Um, and part of that is obviously, you know, as Neil pointed out, is, is, is the ownership, which has never really gone away. It goes away in the good times when they're cutting a sway through the championship and, and they're selling players for big money and then bringing through young, talented gems to replace them, then you don't hear any talk about the ownership. And in fact, it, it, 
in periods recently, it, it, they've actually been put on a pedestal, haven't they? Let's be honest, when the derbies have imploded and other clubs who've, who've financially spent way beyond their means, then, you know, I've seen plenty of social media positivity towards the ownership that we have people who are putting the club's interest at heart, would never bankrupt the club, would never put the club in any financial peril. Well, ultimately, all these debates are filtered through what happens on the pitch. And at the minute, what happens on the pitch since the start of the season is nowhere near good enough for this level. Championship, they've clearly cracked the code there. Two title winning um, processions, really. Um, so they can do it at championship level. But as we feared, the big question, will this model work in the Premier League? And by work in the Premier League, we mean competitive, first and foremost, and secondly, staying up. And then thirdly, building on a staying up to to hopefully make it a, a, a longevity in the Premier League. And right now, it looks a long way away from that. It certainly does. Um, no City may be uh, bracing themselves for a quiet month. Um, we've got a little bit of a busy one. We're, we're hoping to announce a, a, a new uh, addition next week. You, you have to stay tuned and find out a little bit more about that. But it's, it's very exciting. I think um, I think you guys will, will like it. So uh, keep it locked to uh, our channel's um, early part of next week. We'll, of course, be at the Valley as well for Norwich City's uh, FA Cup third round clash against Charlton. All of the usual coverage, analysis and reaction available on our website and the Pink and Plus app. And if you're yet to sign up for that uh, this month, you uh, you get a, a one-month trial and it's one ninety nine thereafter. So go and have a look. Check it out. We've had uh, plenty of people uh, subscribing already. Exclusive content pretty much um, every day on there. And um, yeah, we will uh, we'll, we'll see you again very soon. We'll, we'll be back with one of these again next week. Enjoy your Saturday and we'll see you on Sunday.